Well, tomorrow is a special day in the life of our nation. Tomorrow is Martin Luther King Day. And while I was a good bit younger when uh, I heard Martin Luther King's iconic speech uh, at the Lincoln Memorial in Washington, D.C. in 1963, I have never forgotten some of his words there that he shared at that what was called March for Freedom. He said this, and these words will have a familiar ring, I'm sure, for most of us. Martin Luther King Jr. said, I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. And from that point forward, there launched an incredible movement in this nation and the social impact that Martin Luther King Jr. had on the United States of America was powerful, tangible, transformative, lasting, and real. Martin Luther King Jr. showed us the reality that the difference one single person can make. And the Word of God clearly affirms to us the very same thing. And that is why this morning I want to begin with you walking through a series from the Old Testament book of Nehemiah. Uh, this book is the story of the difference one single life can make. This is one of the greatest stories in all of the Old Testament. And this book has a lot to say to us because its message is so contemporary. The book of Nehemiah was written almost 2,500 years ago, but in many ways it could have been written last week. Because Nehemiah is the story of a society gone bad and one man's determination to do something about it. You see, Nehemiah's generation was a lot like our generation today. There was decline in almost every area of life, in the area of morality. There was little, if any, restraint. Crime was rampant. Family life was disintegrating. There were financial crises, high taxes, oppressive government. There was social and psychological trauma. There was a great deal of religious superficiality and indifference toward the Word and the will of God. And so reading through the book of Nehemiah really is a lot like reading through the pages of today's newspaper. And that's why it's critical that, that you 
And I, as the people of God today, right now, the church of Jesus Christ, that is why it's so critical that we hear what Nehemiah has to say to us. So why preach through Nehemiah at this particular time? Well, there are a lot of reasons I could give for that. But let me tell you, just personally, I have a very personal reason for wanting to preach through Nehemiah at this particular time. And that is because I have a real burden for the kind of world that my children and grandchildren are going to grow up in. I have a real burden about that. I have a real concern. As I look at the direction of our culture, as I look at the direction of our society and the the way we're moving, I'm worried, I'm concerned about what my children and my grandchildren are going to have to confront and deal with if some things don't change. And here's the thing. Whether or not things do change depends a whole lot upon you and me. Can I just say that again? Whether or not things do change depends a whole lot upon you and me. You see, church, this morning, really, honestly, gut level, we've got a choice to make here. We've got a choice to make. We we can choose to simply moan and groan and complain about how bad things are and wring our hands and cower in fear and just sort of be at the mercy of our circumstances, or we can, by the grace of God, And by the power of God, determine that we're going to make a difference. That we're going to be difference makers for this culture. That we're going to see some things change in our own lives, first of all. And then in our homes and in our families, our churches, our community and our society, we're going to determine that we're going to be difference makers by getting out there and doing, church, what God called us and saved us to do. See, that's what the book of Nehemiah is really all about. This book cries out with the simple message, you can make a difference. I can make a difference. We can become difference makers. We can be a part of changing our world. And I got to tell you something, folks. Our world is literally dying for change. Our churches 
are dying for change. Our communities are dying for change. You see, progress in any area of life demands change, and we will either be agents for change or we will be impediments to change, and the choice is ours. It really is. And I want you to know that the book of Nehemiah says that you and I need to be on the very cutting edge of change, not just for the sake of change, church, but for the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of what God wants to do in our lives, in our churches, our community, our nation, and the nations for the sake of what God is wanting to do right now, for the sake of your children and my children, your grandchildren and my grandchildren. We have got to become difference makers. We have got to be determined to make that kind of difference. And so, as we begin our study in the book of Nehemiah, we're going to be looking at three things just here in this initial opening study. We're going to be looking at a dedicated person, number one. We're going to be looking at a difficult problem, number two. And we're going to be looking at a determined prayer, number three. Now, relax. We're not going to get all of that this morning. But we are going to start, and so I want you to take your copy of God's Word, and I want you to turn to the book of Nehemiah. Now, Nehemiah, for some reason, seems to be one of those books that are a little bit challenging to find. Uh, So if you start with the book of Psalms, and you move backwards, go go from Psalms to Job, because most of us can find Psalms, and then to Esther, And then you'll come to Nehemiah. Now, this won't help you very much, but it's on page 437 in my Bible. (laughs) So you find the page number, and I've just kind of memorized mine, 437. Helps me. But Psalms, Job, Esther, Nehemiah going backwards, that'll, that'll help you find it this morning. So I want to begin this morning together, you and me, looking at the role of a dedicated Person. Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1. Look at it with me. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. Now, <laughs> Nehemiah speaking here, and the very first thing that he does is introduce himself to us. You see, the, the book of Nehemiah, church, starts off with a man. Starts off with a man. And there is a startling truth to this book that that we need to understand right out of the chute, right from the beginning. We'll, We'll spend a lot of time looking at this, but you need to know it right up front. Here's the startling truth from this book. Through Nehemiah, God is going to accomplish in the nation of Israel in just 52 days what had not been accomplished in 141 years. Now, I want, you to let, I want that to sink in for just a minute. God is going to take Nehemiah, and he is going to work through this one man to accomplish in the nation in just 52 days 
something that had not been able to be done in 141 years. Now, that is, that is important. Okay, in less than two months, Nehemiah is going to solve a 141-year problem. Now, we're going to find out what that is as we move through the book. But why is it so important for you to know that? Here's why it's important for you to know that. The startling truth from this book means that there is also a startling truth for this life. Okay? This isn't just ancient history. This is application of what God did then, bringing it into our world. So the startling truth from this book leads to a startling truth for this life, and it is this. Church, whenever you put God first, it doesn't take long. Now, we need to hear that. And we need, to, we need to really let that sink in, okay? God took Nehemiah, accomplished in 52 days what had not been able to be accomplished in 141 years. We don't leave that in the ancient past. We bring it into our day. We apply it to our lives. And what it says is, if you put God first, my friend, it doesn't take long. Whatever your problem is, whatever the situation might be, I don't care whether it's in your community, your own personal life, whether it's within the church, whatever problem th there may be, it doesn't take long to change it when you put God first. If you don't put God first, my friend, you're just spinning your wheels. You're just marking time. See, 52 days was all it took to solve a 141-year-old problem. But first, God had to find a dedicated person. Someone who was sold out to him completely. This man. See, the book of Nehemiah is as much about a man as it is about anything else. It's the story of a man who was determined he was going to be part of the solution instead of adding to the problem. We, ought, we, we, we really ought to do some personal spiritual inventory when we hear something like that, right? That's part of our choice. We, we, we can be a solution to the problem, whatever the problem is, and it might be in your family. Might be at school, might be at work, might be in the church, might be in the community, wherever the problem is. See, you can be part of the solution or you can just keep adding to the problem, but the, but the, 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 the determination of that belongs to you. So whatever, whatever's going on here, let, let, let me let you in on a critical secret. Okay, here it is. God's method for solving problems, God's method for bringing change is never first a program. It is always a person. And many times it's just one person, like Nehemiah. God's, God's not into programs per se. Programs can be helpful. Programs can be useful. But that is not God's first go-to. God is looking for a person. He is looking for a person and persons this morning. 
Now, let me show you something. I've got, I've got several verses that I've put down here, critical verses, linchpin verses that apply to us as we come to look at a message like Nehemiah's. I want you to look at these verses with me. They're on your message guide. The first one comes from 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to do what? To give strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward him, to those who are committed to him, to those who are dedicated to him. God is looking today, this morning, right now, listen to me, his eyes are roving to and fro across this worship center this morning. Right now, his eyes are moving throughout this balcony down here on the ground floor, and God's word said he is looking for a certain kind of person. What kind of person? A dedicated person. A committed person. God will strengthen, it says, a dedicated person. He will pour his power into someone who is committed to him, and he will use that person to help solve some big problems and help bring some desperately needed change. Do you realize this morning, God is just up and down this place, every row, looking for a dedicated person. Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 1. Now, here in Jeremiah chapter 5, God is about to pronounce judgment on the city of Jerusalem and its people because things had gotten so bad that God said, I don't know what else to do at this point except destroy the nation, the city. But before he did, look what he says in Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 1. Go up and down the streets of Jerusalem. Look around. Consider. Search through her squares. If you can find but one person who deals honestly and seeks the truth, I will forgive this city. Do you see that? God said, I just, I just need, I'm just looking for one. And I will spare this city. We need to understand, church, something very clearly, God will change things. He can completely turn things around when he can just find one person who is dedicated to him, committed to him. Now, there's another passage of Scripture that to me is one of the most, if not the most, heartbreaking in all of Scripture. I've listed the reference for you there. I didn't have time to put all this down, but you'll find it in the book of Genesis, about halfway through chapter 18 and through most of chapter 19. We don't have time to read that this morning, so can I just tell you the story? 
God, once again, was looking down upon the earth. He saw evil and wickedness and disobedience and disregard for his word and his will everywhere. He saw a situation much like Nehemiah's day. He saw a situation very much like our day. And he looked, looked particularly at two cities that were known for their wickedness. And even today, we bring this into our, into our own uh, contemporary language when we talk about Sodom and Gomorrah. God was looking at Sodom and Gomorrah and he said, the wickedness there is so great, it has come up like a stench in my nostrils. I'm going to destroy these cities. But before God did that, he said, you know something? I, I need to consider my servant Abraham. Remember back in Genesis chapter 12, God had made some amazing promises to Abraham. He said, Abraham, uh, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to select you, I'm going to choose you, I'm going to bless you, and through you all nations on earth will be blessed, and I'm going to do something special through you. And God said, don't I need to let Abraham know what I'm doing? I'm not going to hide this from him, lest he wonder what's going on, and lest he wonder if the promises I made to him were somehow not true when he sees me start destroying these nations. And so God went to Abraham and told him what he was going to do. Now, do you remember Abraham had a nephew by the name of Lot? And Lot lived in Sodom. And Abraham got to thinking about this thing, and he said, Lord, I've got a question. Now, if you destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, if you destroy the wicked, it seems to me like you're going to destroy the righteous as well. And, and that just doesn't seem right to me, Lord. So, could I ask you a question? God, if, if you can just find 50 dedicated people in Sodom and Gomorrah, just 50 who are dedicated to you, will you spare the 500,000? And God said, Abraham, yes, I will do that. If we can just find 50, I will spare the cities. Well, Abraham wasn't gone very long. We had to come back to God and say, uh, how about 45? <laughs> what if we can just find 45? Having a little tough time coming up with 50, 45, God, there's totally sold out to you. Will you spare the cities? And God said, yes. Wasn't long before Abraham was back. Uh, God, how about 40? Will you spare the cities for 40? And God said, yes, I'm a God of grace. I'm a God of mercy. For the sake of the 40 that are dedicated to me, I will spare all the city. Couldn't find 40. Abraham came back this time. He said, God, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to uh, upset you. I'm not trying to try your patience here, God. But how about 30? Can we do it for 30? God said, yes, I'll do it for 30. Uh, God, how about 20? Finally, Abraham came back and said, God, I, this, is, this is the last time. I just need to ask you if we can just find 10, just 10 in all of these two great cities that are dedicated completely, sold out to you, will you spare these cities? And God said, yes, for the sake of 10. That's Genesis chapter 18. Genesis chapter 19, what happens? God destroys Sodom and Gomorrah. The problem in Sodom and Gomorrah wasn't the wicked. The problem in Sodom and Gomorrah was you could not find the righteous. You could not find even ten who were completely sold out, dedicated to him. Heartbreaking. In Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 30, God was again about to pronounce judgment on the nation. And he says, 
I looked for a man among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it, but I found no one. How many was God looking for? One. One single person who was willing to make a difference, who was determined to be a difference maker. Church, here is the heartbreaking reality. Here's the heartbreaking reality. If God has a problem today, if, if I can put it in that kind of terminology, if God has a problem today, you know what his problem is? His problem is people. God just has a hard time sometimes coming up with folks who will put him first, people who have dedicated themselves to doing what God wants them to do. That's a hard time finding people like that. That is heartbreaking. Our churches today, all across the United States of America, are full of people. Good people. This church, right now, is full of good people who say that they love the Lord, who I believe live good, moral lives, respected people in our businesses, in our communities, our neighborhoods, our city. But I have to tell you today, my friend, that if you are sitting here today and have absolutely no plans to make a difference tomorrow, you are wasting your time today. This is all for nothing. If, if we are not willing to place our lives in the hands of God and let Him use us to make a difference. See, God is not looking for somebody today who just goes to church. He's not looking for somebody today who just knows all the Christian terminology, who's got all of the answers to all of the theological questions. Those are all good things. I hope those are all true of you, but that is not what God is looking for. You know what God is looking for today? He's looking for somebody He can use. Somebody who will just say, yes, Lord. That's what he's looking for. Nehemiah was somebody God could use. Why? Because he was dedicated. He was committed to God above all else. And let me tell you something else very important here. This is an important note that you need to know about Nehemiah before we go any further. Nehemiah was not a preacher. He wasn't a pastor. He wasn't a missionary. He had not gone to seminary. He wasn't any of those things. Do you know what Nehemiah did for a living? You have to jump ahead a little bit to verse 11 of chapter 1, and we'll, we'll talk more about that later as well. But Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 11, look at this, says, Now I was cupbearer to 
the king. Let me tell you what we think sometimes. Sometimes when we think about being a difference maker, we think about God taking somebody's life, my life, your life, and using it to do something astounding, using it to do something to make an incredible difference. What we tend to think sometimes is, wait a minute, preacher, that's for the super Christians. That's, that's for the pastor. That's, that's for the evangelist, the missionary, the seminary professor. This isn't for ordinary folks. No, 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 no. Nehemiah wasn't a preacher. He was an ordinary guy who held a secular job in a pagan kingdom surrounded by people who could not care less about God. But God is going to take this man and use him to fix a 141-year-old problem in just 52 days. Why? Because he was dedicated. He wasn't one foot in and one foot out. He was in the whole way 100%. And God's going to take this guy and in 52 days, he's going to solve a 141-year-old problem. Now listen, I want to tell you something. The only difference... The only difference between Nehemiah and you and me is the level of our dedication to the Word and the will of God. That's it. That's it. The only difference between us and Nehemiah and, and others of the great heroes of the faith that we read about in Scripture or some of the great heroes of the faith that we read about throughout Christian history the only difference between them and us is our level of dedication to the Word and the will of God. Do you remember just a couple of weeks ago when, when we wrapped up our series on Elijah? If you remember that series, we, we came to its conclusion, and part of what we did was we looked at something that the Apostle James had to say about Elijah in chapter 5 of his New Testament letter. Now, you remember Elijah. I mean, this is the guy who prayed that it would not rain, and it did not rain for three and a half years. This is the guy who called down fire from heaven on Mount Carmel, defeated the prophets of Baal, raised a guy to life. I mean, Elijah was a guy who moved in the realm of the miraculous. But James chapter 5, verse 17 tells us this. Look at it. Elijah was a human being just like us. Yes, he prayed that it would rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. But it wasn't because he was a superman. He was just a man. He was a human being just like us, an ordinary guy. The difference was he was completely dedicated to God, totally sold out to the Word and the will of God. Nehemiah was like that, just an ordinary guy with a secular job, working in a pagan environment. But God's going to take him again and do in just 52 days what had not been done in 141 years. Church, I have to tell you something this morning. The greatest need in our world today, absolute greatest need in our world today is not for more preachers. It's not for more missionaries. It's not for more seminary graduates. 
even though we welcome all of those. I'll tell you this too. The greatest need for Taylor's First Baptist Church right now, today, is not a new full-time senior pastor. That's not the greatest need here today. The greatest need here and the greatest need everywhere is for more people like Nehemiah, just ordinary folk who understand that they have been called to serve an extraordinary God and who will simply say, here am I, Lord, use me, I'm dedicated to you, I will be a difference maker. See, God cannot change our world. He cannot change our communities. He cannot change our churches or our families or our individual lives until He can find some dedicated people. And the people He's looking for are right here. His eyes are moving right now to find that person, to find those persons who will be totally dedicated to Him. God can change some things, and it doesn't take long. You see, I too have a dream. I dream that one day, one day the people of God will rise up and live out the meaning of their creed. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its taste, How will its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under the foot of men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people take a lamp and place it under a basket, but rather on a stand so that it gives light to everyone in the house. So then let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works, that they may see God working through you. And so glorify your Father in heaven. Oh, church, I have a dream. Do you? Heavenly Father, for these moments we are grateful. For your word we are thankful. 
And we come to these moments, I pray, with a keener awareness that one life can make such a difference. And if one life can make such a difference, how much more could all of us here within the sound of my voice make a difference for the sake of our children, our our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, for the sake of generations we may never see with physical eyes, but who one day, scores of years ahead, might look back and say, it was this generation, our generation, that made the difference for them. God, if we are here today with no plan to make a difference for tomorrow, would you, number one, forgive us? Number two, draw us back into close relationship with you. And number three, would you give us a dream, a vision, for what might happen in our own lives, first of all, in our church, our community, our nation, and among the nations. Well, God, may we realize today that if we will just dedicate ourselves to you completely, If we will put you first in everything, it doesn't take long to see change, to make a difference. And Lord, as your eyes move to and fro across this worship center today, may they lock on men and women, boys and girls, students, who in their heart of hearts this morning says, Here am I, Lord, use me. I will be a difference maker. Is the prayer that we pray in Jesus' name. Would you stand with me? We're going to sing together, and this is, this is a time of response. What are you going to do in response to what God has said to each one of us this morning, starting right here, How does God want to take your life and use it to make a difference? Question number one is, has He made a difference in your life? Do you know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? I want you to know this morning, I don't take anything for granted here. I'm not going to assume that every single person underneath the sound of my voice is living in a real, transformative, life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. I do not assume that. None of us should assume that. If you're here this morning and you know deep inside, I'm not walking with the Lord. I, I don't have a real relationship with Him. If I were to die tonight, I have no idea where I'll spend eternity, to be brutally honest. I just don't have any assurance. Then this morning, would you settle that issue? You can do that. And once He makes a change in your life, once you give your heart to Him, once you give Him control of your life, then He's able to make you into a Nehemiah kind of person who can make a difference in the lives of others and in the lives of 
a world that so desperately needs to see the difference only He can make. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't have a church home and you don't have a church family and you say, I'd like to make a difference. I, I don't know how to exactly to do that. Well, come join a group of people who together are determined to be difference makers as we lock hands and hearts and move into the future. If you want to be a part of something like that, then we, we would welcome you. But the point of the message is, are you a difference maker? If you're not, from this point forward, would you say, here am I, Lord, Take my life and use it in that kind of way. So as we sing together, this altar's open. I'll be glad to pray with you as somebody who's walking this journey with you. I ask myself every day, God, how do you want me to make a difference today? If I can pray with you and encourage you, you'll, you'll encourage me too. So these altars are open. I'll pray with you. You can come by yourself, bring someone with you. Right now as we sing, you are good, you are good. And he is. You come. As God speaks.